What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NBA strategy show presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D on the Twitters. Uh, podcast listeners, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Joined, always an exciting time, by Greg Ehrenberg, filling in for Adam Scher, who's making his way, potentially making his way back if he makes it home. Uh, that's in question from Vegas. But Greg admirably filling in here to break down this two-game slate. What's good, brother? Yeah, it's good. And, you know, because you and I, we do shows together, not all that frequently, but we do yeah. get along really well. So it's always good because we have to talk about Howard Stern and stuff beforehand. We got, we got to catch up a bit. Old Howard Stern. Old Howard Stern. Do you listen? I haven't listened in a while. I haven't. One of my really good friends, the one I was telling you about before, he still listens. And every once in a while we talk on the phone, he'll give me some highlights of what's going on. But no, I'm not really, not anymore. Yeah, it's been a while for me. The last time I listened was, was, he went, I, can, I actually can't even say this because you probably would know what I'm talking about, but he went to a convention basically where one of the most heinous acts ever was, was taking place. And he sent Wolfie there to, to interview these. I'll tell you after the show, just truly disgusting stuff, but I couldn't stop listening. I just, oh, here's the last time I listened. Actually, this is kind of funny. So my dad has a uh, serious in his car. Cause that's what I got him for father's day last year. Cause my dad does really like Howard Stern. So the last time I listened I was in my dad's truck with him and Howard was interviewing a porn star and I had to sit through what to me was a very awkward car ride. I was, I was in my, I was in the car with my dad for like 20 minutes, listening to some porn star talk about her career work. And my dad <laughs> just sitting there laughing like this is kind of uncomfortable. But your dad was a fan too. Yeah. 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 My dad, my dad. So my dad, my dad did not find to be any kind of discomfort with the interview. That's good stuff. Jaylene. J- <laughs> I don't know how to say that, but uh, I said pre-2009 Howard. Yeah, pre-2010, because Artie was still there till December 2009. But uh, yeah, those were clearly the days. Anyway, <clears throat> we got uh, two games to get into today. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Appreciate all of you who already have done that. Subscribe to the channel. And if you want to join, hit join down below. Get the free Super Chats each month, the custom emojis, the sweet badges. Tony's iced up. So am I with the one-year badge, uh, and we'll always prioritize your questions and comments along with our Discord members. But more than anything, thumbs up, subscribe. That stuff helps us a ton, so appreciate it. Anyway, man, uh, the biggest thing about this day is Joel Embiid's absence. He's going to – I think he will be back for Game 3. I would actually be surprised if he wasn't because my guess is he would play Game 1 if he was allowed to. Yeah, it's just – it's going to come down to whether he could whether he could clear right. the concussion protocol, which is kind of out of his hands. But from what I understand, it's not that hard for players to kind of rig it. I know there was the old story that Kobe Bryant used to tell young players because the way they do it is you do a um, you do some kind of test. I forget exactly what they call it. And then you do that test. If you were ever to get into a concussion, into concussion protocol, you have to retake the test and get the same score as you did the first time. So what Kobe used to tell young players is to, to mail it in when you do it before okay. the season starts and you just intentionally fail it. And then later, if you actually do get a concussion, it's easy for you to test out of it. Cause they're always like, Oh, this guy's an idiot. And then you just get the same <laughs> scores. Uh, so I guess, so it's going to, it's going to depend uh, what is uh, I guess how he does on those tests. So essentially just pretend you're Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just do that. They tell you, they ask you how to spell how to spell the word red and you just say L E S T E R. Yeah. And then you're good. That's too good, man. That I wonder if they, if they still have those loopholes now or if it's, or if it's a little different than it used to be, but still, I mean, if Embiid can play, he, he will play. My is my guess. He's got to wear a mask, right. With the with an orbital bone fracture. Uh, I would assume we've seen him wear the mask before and with uh, that same injury. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that won't be an issue for him. What, what could be an issue for him is if he's not able to test out by game three, it's just going to be so difficult for the Sixers, in my opinion, to win games without him oh, unless yeah. Harden just totally goes nuts. So, I mean, if they get into a three Oh hole, even if he comes back, it's, it's just hard to imagine that they, it would just be such an uphill climb. The last game was what Thursday. And then I'm assuming the game. Yeah. The last game was Thursday. I'm assuming the game three would be Friday. So it gives him a week. I, I think it's doable. Yeah. I think it's definitely doable. It's just like you said, a matter of whether or not he can test out. 
Do you remember how he broke his his orbital bone in uh the, on the first time? I don't. So even the second, I I don't. But just a quick thing, even the second time. I was like, I don't remember it happening. The reason I didn't remember it happening is because the score was like a 40 point game in the fourth quarter and all the starters were still, and I turned the game off at that point. So I was really confused. I was like, I I feel like I would have known, I would have seen him get a concussion, break his orbital. Then I realized after the fact it was because it happened like well after I'd stopped watching the game, but what happened the the first time? I don't remember. It was in practice and Markel Fultz was already kind of on the ropes when it came to the Philly fan base and Markel Fultz accidentally uh, elbowed him in the eye. I think it was on a pod, oh, on, you a, know on a screen. I do, rem- I do remember that now. I do yeah. remember that now. It might have been his shoulder, actually. But either way, it was it was Markel Fultz in practice, his own teammate. So not great. But let's dive into this because this is this is huge with Philly. And as much as it sucks as a, I mean, as a Sixers fan, this is the last thing I wanted to see happen. It blows. We just got ownership three minutes ago, by the way. Uh, it, it absolutely blows. But at the same time, it's kind of interesting from a DFS standpoint because you and I talk about, you, you talk about it live before lock. We talk about the same thing so often with teams. Granted, it's a different matchup. It's a new series. But when you lose a guy like Embiid, it completely shifts, completely changes everything we've known about Philly throughout the first six games of the postseason for them. Yeah, and even the regular season because don't forget for the longest time, Paul Reed was either not with the team or wasn't part of the rotation. And I almost think the media bullied Doc Rivers into playing into playing Paul Reed more because if you remember some of the interviews with Doc Rivers leading up to the playoffs – where the media was just asking, is, is Paul Reed going to be the backup center? Is Paul Reed going to play backup center minutes? And Doc Rivers was pretty adamant that, no, DeAndre Jordan is our guy. You guys think you know more than me. I don't. I watch every single game. DeAndre Jordan is our guy's the backup center. And then the playoffs start, and it's not DeAndre Jordan. It's Paul Reed. But now I kind of wonder with Joel Embiid out, what happens to Paul Reed? What happens with DeAndre Jordan? Based on how they played the rotation in the first series, I tend to think Paul Reed is going to start at center, but I'm not 100% confident in that. Neither am I. The, but the one thing about Paul Reed that stands out to me is, first of all, he had some good minutes against Toronto. He had some bad minutes against Toronto, some, some rough minutes against Toronto, no doubt. But when you're talking about this Miami team, this is just a bunch of grown men out there, and they'll make your life very difficult. Reed on a per minute basis is very good though. And even if he doesn't start or he does start and plays somewhat limited minutes, there's probably, you know, there's probably still an avenue for him to get there quite easily. Like he, you know, nine minutes, 16 DraftKings points in, in game three. Uh, he had that one really bad game on the 18th. But aside from that, if you give him, how many minutes are you giving him today? I maybe you probably haven't done rotations yet, but if you had to guess, what do you think? What do you think Paul Reed gets? You know, it's so hard to say because it can depend if he starts or comes off the bench. But I mean, I think it's reasonable to give him like 22 minutes. And then what you do is you kind of protect yourself because even in 22 minutes, he's the best value play on the slate. I agree. But, but the problem is if you start to give him anything north of that, then he's just automatically in 100% of your lineup. So I don't know that it's the most accurate projection, but I, I think 22 minutes is a good way to be like, hey, I'm going to run lineups. He's going to end up being my most rostered player. But at the same time, I'm not going to do 100% of Paul Reed because I do I do still think there's a chance that maybe Charles Bassey gets center run. We could see DeAndre Jordan get the bulk of the playing time. Uh, but, but either way, I think Paul Reed is the number one cheap option to get to on this lady. He is the guy who should be in more lineups than anybody else. I'm, I'm just not totally sure what the playing time is going to look like. You know, just trying to look at some something like last series for Miami, uh, the one game that that the Hawks actually ended up coming back from a 16-point deficit and winning, they had a Congo out there with Herter and Young and Bogdanovich and DeLon Wright. And the, the Miami Heat aren't that big. I mean, you have Bam, you got guys like – you have Tucker likely closing. It, he might, he might not. But uh, – Butler, no Lowry, but Tyler Hero. Like, they're not a huge team. They're just physical. They're very good at boxing out. They're good at rebounding. I don't think, and, and obviously there's, there's no good replacement for Joel Embiid, but what I'm trying to figure out is what is the best answer to combat this, this lineup, this starting lineup specifically for Miami? Do you go smaller 
and do you end up throwing like a, a Harris at the five and, and see him get destroyed? Or do you throw out the decrepit DeAndre Jordan? Or do you say, you know what, Paul Reed, he's still, he's still got some positional problems for sure defensively, but he's a high-energy guy. He can collect boards on the offensive and defensive end. Like he might not be a good answer, but I don't know if there's a better answer today. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And the reason it would not be Deion Jordan for me if I was coaching, and I'm I'm not a coach, obviously, uh, and I don't agree with a lot of decisions Doc Rivers makes. But that aside, I think if you're really outgunned in a series, which the Heat, uh, which the Heat are certainly more talented than the Sixers, as long as Joel Embiid is out. I think the way you try to level the playing field is with variance and the way you, you up the variance is you shoot as many threes as possible. So with that in mind, that's where I would go with a smaller lineup, go with Paul Reed. You could, you could start Thibel at center. That's also another viable path that I wouldn't be totally shocked with. We've seen the Sixers do that in the past, but I would try to get as much shooting on the court. And that would be either Paul Reed, Tobias Harris or Matisse Thibel at center. And you just chuck as many threes as you can, because if you're making a lot of three pointers, the defense kind of becomes a little bit more relevant. It's it's the equalizer. If you want threes, though, you don't want Thibault. That dude stinks. <laughs> well, he's be- he's a better three-point shooter, though, and can spread the, the floor better than most big men can. For sure. I mean, George Nyang would really be the guy that you want shooting threes. He's just terrible defensively. Yeah, and then, let's see, what did Thibault shoot from three this year? Probably, like, under 30%. All right, so Matisse Thibault from three this year. 31.5%. Not not good or anything, but, you know, it's capable enough. And once again, he is a really good defensive player. We've seen it in the – we've seen them go with that with that lineup in the past with Thibault Center. I would personally start Paul Reed, and we've got people in, or at least one person in YouTube chat had said, you know, is Paul Reed going to do anything? It, I mean, if he starts, then we could bank on him playing mid-20s minutes. He's a really good fantasy producer. So that's that's what would make him a really good value option. Yeah. And, and I think we both said it. We really have no idea whether or not Paul Reed's going to get extended minutes, but in the event that he does start, he, you, you very seldom in the postseason are going to get a guy that's a, you know, 1.15 fantasy point per minute producer in the starting lineup, regardless of matchup. So that's just kind of the way it is. I I, I don't think there's a whole lot more to it at this point. Yeah, Do and then you, especially – oh, and then just one other thing I was going to add. It's a two-game slate. There isn't really that much value to be had. Right. It's, it's not like this is a regular season game. We're looking for, you know, 35 fantasy points for Paul Reed at a cheap price point. If you just get somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, there's a pretty good chance you land in an optimal lineup. Yeah, and for anyone asking, you can just hey, – Look at some of the, not to say you should be a, a game log watcher, but if you do look at some of his game logs, the guy has had eight minute games with 25 fantasy points. He, he can do that. Not to say he will today in a much more difficult matchup, but he can do that. Uh, and we have his ownership right now at like 28.7% on draft. That seems low to me. Yeah, totally agree. It is at, uh, we just got the ownership run. 37% over on FanDuel, on DraftKings. Like you said, it is, yeah, 28.7 to 4,200. That is for sure a number I would be over the top of if he's starting. No doubt. NBA ownership rankings are free today, too. If you want to check that out, over at awesome.com. Totally free. You don't have to sign up, nothing. You can just check them out. They're open to the public. Same with MLB player rankings and NHL player rankings. All that stuff today is free. Uh, but if you want to get a little bit deeper into it, take this a little bit more seriously awesome.com slash join whether you want to do a weekly monthly annual pass whatever it is whatever sport we have every tool for every sport that you can imagine if these sites have contests we have content for it all these tools built by awesome himself used by him to win quite a bit of money managed by guys like you know steve uh, buzzard the colts and, and sean's on and some amazing dfs players amazing minds so uh, check it out. Week, month, annual. You can do one sport, every sport, no matter how what you want to play it, what your budget is, how serious you are. We got you covered. And be sure to join our premium Discord, too. You got a great community and the Office Hours channel where you get the pros helping answer your questions each day and make you a better player. James Harden, let's get into this one. Still sub 10K. Again, it's a tough matchup, but he's going to have to do a ton today, Greg. I don't see any way he plays less than 40 minutes unless he gets hurt or is in foul trouble or it's a blowout. 
Yeah. And I mean, the other thing too, is you just look at the numbers since he's been on Philly when Joel Embiid's off the court and it's a massive usage rate, 36.1%. And I know a lot's been made of James Harden kind of being passive at times, both this year and last year. Some of it was injury related. Some of it was also, he's just played with a bunch of other high usage players, whether it's Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. He's now the guy for this team. And it's not to say that Maxine Harris won't also have elevated usage rates, but it just has to be Harden when you look at the rest. And also, Harden, Maxine Harris might really be the only three guys that take a substantial amount of shots today. So I think so much was going to be focused on James Harden, the offense, not to mention that there's probably going to be long stretches of time where he's going to have to be covered by Tyler Hero. Also, it helps him a little bit that Kyle Lowry is out right now. So I, I think that James Harden, really without too much doubt, is, is the top half option on the slate. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. Also, something to consider as well is when it comes to Harden's usage rate that you mentioned was, what, 36% without yep. Embiid on the floor? Is that what you said it was, 36? Yeah, 36.1. Yeah, that's really high, but it's not like, oh, yeah, he has a 32% usage rate when Embiid is on the floor. He has a 21% usage rate in the 800 minutes he's played with Joel Embiid. That is an insane, insane uh, increase in usage. You're talking 15% in over 800 minutes. Yeah, and and then once again, it, he's not just the guy who has to score. The rebounds are going to be there. The assists yeah. are going to be there. So there's a really high floor for Harden as well because he's able to do it in multiple different avenues. And then also, his price is still pretty modest. He's $9,800 over on DK. Same price tag, $9,800 on FanDuel. His positionality makes no sense, but whatever. He's, a, he's small forward eligible on FanDuel. He's been that way all year. But you're getting him for sub 10K. Whereas, you know, the other payoff options on the slate, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Luka's substantially more expensive, and I think they should be projected comparably. And then at least on FanDuel, Chris Paul's more expensive than James Harden. James Harden's more expensive on DK. But points per dollar, I, I think that James Harden is, is the guy to go to on the high end. I'm with you. And Maxi and, you know, Maxi, Tobias Harris, like you said, those guys are going to have to do stuff, no matter whether they're effective or not. They're going to have to. You, you, you said it perfectly. Who else is it going to be? Paul Reed, if he starts, might get some putback opportunities, right? A little bit around the basket. But he's not someone that you're getting the ball to. I, I, Danny Green will get his corner threes. You know, he'll get his six, seven corner three opportunities today. He'll hit three. He'll air ball four. Aside from that, though, the only guys you can, you know, confidently expect to get a lot of usage, a lot of ball handling responsibility, and a shitload of minutes on top of that are Harden, Maxi, and Tobias Harris. Yep, Tobias Harris this year, 29% usage rate when, when Embiid was off the court, 26.4% for Maxi. Oh, that number I do think is a little bit skewed because Maxi, I think, kind of became a higher usage player as the season rolled on. Yeah. But, but either way, I mean, Harris, Maxi, Harden, like I was saying before, those are going to be the guys that take the most of the shots and reasonably priced on both FanDuel and DraftKings. I, I think that we have to look at, at Tobias Harris and Tyrese Max. While not quite the same priorities that James Harden is, there's still guys that we're going to want to get to in bulk on a two-game slate. Is there anybody else from Philly that, that seems you know somewhat viable today? Could George Nang end up being a guy that, that gets additional minute if they're raining, or minutes if they're raining down threes? Could they go real small and shake Milton gets more minutes? I, how do you see this playing out in Philly if it goes to where they're actually hitting their shots? I think that it needs to be like we need to discern between that and if they're just getting smoked and need more defense. Yeah, so I, I think one thing that we have to mention too here is that Matisse Thibel wasn't able to play the games in Toronto last series. So there were spots where like Danny Green was was really popular and we have to expect a little bit less playing time from him now that now that Matisse Thibel is back in the mix. Uh, so a, a couple of different guys here that make sense. First on FanDuel, I think that Thibel at only 5% projected ownership, he is the most contrarian play that I view as having the most upside on FanDuel because of the defensive stats. Matisse Thibel could play 20 minutes and could end up with like, five blocks and steals in those minutes and then end up becoming really viable over on FanDuel. Whereas on DraftKings, if I'm looking for a punt play to get behind in tournaments, I would go to George Niang at 8% on just like what you said before. He is somebody who's capable of coming off the bench and hitting shots. If he is making shots and let's say the Sixers are down in the game and they need to catch up, 
the way they're going to have to do it is by shooting more. And I think Niang would make sense in that circumstance, but the three pointers are more valuable on DraftKings than they are on FanDuel. The defensive stats are more valuable on FanDuel than they are on DraftKings. So the Flyers, just to sum up there, Niang on DK, Fiebel on FanDuel. Okay. Ghetto Farmer Boy said, Doc likes playing his vets and doesn't like to get creative. Jordan's going to play 30 minutes. He's not going to play 30, but I, I do agree with you to some extent that Doc oftentimes plays a conservative with, with his vets, but DeAndre Jordan was literally not in the rotation last series. So he, I don't know if he's played a single minute in the playoffs and if he did, it would have been blowout run, right? Yeah. He hasn't played a single yeah, minute in the playoffs. Not, not even then. So it's, so that's the other thing. By the way, I, I think what, what Ghetto Farmer Boy is saying, it's not that absurd. It's not that ridiculous. I don't think but, it is either. But you can't project somebody to play 30 minutes who's, no. who's, been, who's been a DNP coach's decision six games in a row now. Exactly. And do, do we th see things change dramatically sometimes from series to series? Yeah. DeAnthony Melton wasn't in the rotation for Memphis in the final games against uh, Minnesota, and he, play, he played a big role and had a huge game off the bench last night so these things definitely happen but if you're getting the truth is if you're getting 30 minutes from deandre jordan you should just not show up to the game just <laughs> just seed the first two games and get and get some rest which i mean maybe that is the case for the 76ers with that without joel and beat anyway but let's see what is the most recent spread for this game now seven, seven and, and a half. half seven and a half mm -hmm. uh it was I, eight if, and a half if DeAndre Jordan starts, I would probably be interested in the, in, oh the, in, the, in the heat or, points yo, just because or, of him. Or at least heat first quarter spread. You could probably get that yeah. at like two and a half or three. Yeah, It'd be an interesting one. Yeah, I'll pull that up right now. That's like something, I mean, this is well past the point, but something I started doing at the end of the year that I found success with uh, was by looking at some of the, the, the quarter money lines. And it's the same across the board. I used to do, I mean, used to, it was a couple of weeks ago, Denver Nuggets taking against them in the money line, by, on the money line the second quarter, just because you got the start of the second quarter was always Jokic on the bench and DeMarcus Cousins playing, and they would get wrecked in those minutes every single time. Uh, so I, anyway, I agree with you. I think that is a reasonable way to look at it. But first quarter, all right, the first quarter money line, that looks like it's not up yet. Really? Uh, oh, here it is. Never, never mind. Uh, heat minus one ninety five in the first quarter. The spread is minus two and a half. So yeah, I'll if DeAndre Jordan starts, I think that's reasonable. I'll take two and a, it, yeah. I mean, even if DeAndre Jordan doesn't start, it's still something I could make a pretty decent argument for. But uh, if DeAndre Jordan starts, yeah, because he's probably getting at least six minutes in the first. All right, before Doc Rivers goes, what have I done? You know, like, <laughs> what what mistakes have I made? Why does why does Spolster keep listing this entire team as questionable? I'm getting tired of this shit, man. Well, because a lot of them haven't been playing even in the playoffs. That's, that's no, that's... but come on, like, okay, Lowry's out, right? I know Butler and Hero was Hero out that game too. Or did he uh, play? So last game, by the way, most of these guys are listed as probable, not questionable. It is still weird though, but they got upgraded. So we have, Oh, they weren't upgraded this morning. I looked around eight 30. So the newest report must've or the right before eight 30. Uh, let's see. So it came out. I think it's just, they're expected to play. Yeah, it, they are. That, that's what I'm saying though. They're all yeah. like Butler and hero days ago said, yeah, we're good. We're fine. Uh, but yeah, but to your point, yeah, officially they have had Butler, Hero, Struess, Tucker, and Caleb Martin, and Markeith Morris all in the injury report. And then, of course, Kyle Lowry's actually hurt. He's out. Right. Yeah, these other guys, I, I hear your point, though. They're going to play, but it is like, why even listen on the injury report? Like, Tucker hasn't missed a game. So, I don't know. It's, it's unimportant, but I wasn't even about to list all of them today on the run sheet. Just Lowry and... Uh, I think it's, is it Struess or, or Vincent that actually seems to be, one of them actually seems to be quite like legitimately questionable, but Tucker's going to play, Butler's going to play, barring any unforeseen circumstances. And then Tyler Hero, I expect to play as well. I actually want to start with, with Bam though. You know, you and I just talked a whole lot about how the hell is, is Philly going to combat them? I just don't understand how Bam's price can be where it is on this site. And ownership's clearly reflecting that. Yeah. And I mean, part of it is Bam was hurt. Like he was legitimately hurt at the sure. start of last series and he was playing through it. I think it was a quad injury if, if I remember correctly, but either way, it was clearly hampering him. 
But then by the time of the end of the series, he was looking pretty good. The, the closeout game when Butler and Lowry were both out, Adebayo played 41 minutes. He scored over 40 fantasy points, and he still remains really cheap. And then you also have to consider the matchup, like you were saying. And even if it's Paul Reed or DeAndre Jordan, whoever ends up being at center, it is such a massive advantage for Bam Adebayo. And I know it's really hard to look at individual matchups like, oh, what does it look like when this guy goes up against this player? Any single big man that the Philadelphia 76 throw out today is going to be horrific on defense. There is no, there's nobody they're going to throw out there who's right. going to be competent. So yeah, this is a really good spot for Bam Adebayo. And he's not my favorite payoff option on the slate because that's James Harden. And I, I mean, maybe we don't even consider Bam Adebayo a payoff option because he's 73, you know, he's $7,300 on, on DraftKings and $7,400 on FanDuel. So if we just consider him a mid-range play, he's my favorite mid-range play on the slate. Agreed. By far for me. I mean, it's just, you know, and to your point though, even, even if they do have a good defender out there, he's going to be wildly undersized. They don't have someone with the size and the defensive acumen to be able to, to handle this, to, to handle Bam. I, I just don't see it. Um, yeah, and, and, and then one other thing to add too, is that Bam out of, I was a very good passer and last year he racked up a lot of fantasy points through his assists and his ability to pass. One of the reasons it's gone away this year is because they, they have Kyle Lowry now and he's somebody who facilitates a lot of the offense, but when Lowry's off the court, the ball is in Adebayo's hands more. And we do see an increase in his, in his assist rate. So that, that's another Avenue that he's probably going to score fantasy points from today. Yeah. He can get it done in, in, in a variety of ways. Those are the type of guys we're looking for. He should be, he should be over 8k today, but he isn't. And that's fine with me. How about the rest of Miami, though? If we're just breaking this down from, from top down, we already hit on Bam. Uh, Butler's getting, you know, average ownership for a two-game slate. I think a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that, that Harden's going to be very popular as well. And, you know, Luca's getting a lot of ownership. So it's even Chris Paul is getting more than him. It appears that Butler, at some extent, to some extent, is kind of a casualty of the slate. Yeah, and then, you know, once again, he's going to be somewhat popular just because yeah. it's a two-game slate, but he's 10700 on FanDuel. That is a really, really steep price to pay for Jimmy Butler, so I find it difficult to really get to him over on the FanDuel slate for me personally. And then what is his ownership at on FanDuel right now? Let's see. So Jimmy Butler is projected for 27% ownership at 10700 That That's a number to be underweight to, in my opinion, for sure. And then over on the DK slate, we have Jimmy Butler projected for this is kind of weird. He's 10,700 projected for 27% ownership on FanDuel, 9,200. He's projected for 24% ownership on DK. So, with that in mind, I think he's much more reasonable on DraftKings, 1,500 cheaper and less ownership, but he still isn't quite the same priority as a lot of the other guys that we have. It's, it's a two game slate, so you can't outright say, like, hey, I'm fading Jimmy Butler at 9,200, but. I want to play Luke ahead of him. I want to play Bam. I want to play Harden. I want to play other guys on the Sixers. So he, he's not a high priority option. No. Yeah. And 23% on a two gamer is not that much. Yeah. And your second highest owned player. So look at the ownership on Max Struess and, and PJ Tucker and, and Tyler Hero. I mean, this is where most of the ownership outside of Bam out of bio is coming from. Yeah, and it's it's funny the uh, chalk PJ Tucker in the playoffs keeps keeps working out, but in the in the regular season, if we were to tell people to go play a bunch of PJ Tucker, people would have gone nuts about it. But now they've seen PJ Tucker play a few games in a row, and everybody wants to play PJ Tucker. Yeah. Uh, I tend to want to be underweight to him at thirty eight percent on DraftKings, and then on FanDuel he is at twenty seven percent. I think the pivot here is Paul Reed considering that we have, at least on DK, Reed's quite a bit less popular. Reed at 4,200 is projected for 29% ownership. And then at 4K, PJ Tucker project for 38. That's that's the pivot I want to make. Yeah. I, I, I think ownership will be dramatic. What's interesting to me is what happens if DeAndre Jordan starts? Paul Reed's ownership might come down even further and he could still get the 20 minutes you're projecting him for off the bench. Right. I wouldn't. Don't you think his ownership would come down if he really is only going to be what is he at like 27 percent? I think I said. Yeah. That would be that would that would come down even even further. He's at 28.7. So, yeah, definitely something to monitor here. Do you uh, do you think anybody else just 
value options. Uh, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, are, are any of them, assuming everybody's active outside of Kyle Lowry, who's already ruled out, are any of them somewhat viable in large field tournaments? Yeah, Vincent and Struess for sure. I mean, the, the the field is getting there in a pretty big way. So right now, especially on Struess, Struess is projected for 43% ownership. Right now on DK, we've got Gabe Vincent somewhat popular as well at 29%. Over on FanDuel, Struess 25%, but he's also 4,900. Gabe Vincent 4,800 project for 24% ownership. But, you know, that's a pretty big void to fill in the absence of Kyle Lowry. And that makes all three of, of Max Struess Tyler Hero and Gabe Vincent look a little bit better. The thing to me that I'm not sure what to do with is Victor Oladipo, because I know a lot of people are going to, number one, there's the name value equated with Tyler uh, with uh, with Victor Oladipo, but then there's also the fact that he played really well as a chalk play in the last game. So a lot of people are just going to want to gravitate towards Oladipo. And he could be the guy who ends up getting uh, bigger minutes and maybe he ends up starting, but he was a DNP coach's decision, even when he was healthy for the majority of the regular season. Yeah. So I think Vincent and Struess are both ahead of Oladipo in the rotation. I'm not 100% sold on that because, once again, Oladipo played well last game. But I, I do think it's the most likely scenario that Vincent and Struess both play like around 30 minutes and Oladipo's closer to 20. It's tough, too, because with Oladipo, before you were getting uh, a very discounted price point. I mean, you had him at. 4,500 in that, that first game where he got some minutes and, and nobody played him really, but then 4,500 in the second game with what was it, Butler and Lowry out, right? Yeah. yeah, it was both of them out and they closed the series. 5,100 isn't absurd, but I don't think you can, and you just kind of, you hit on all of it. You can't project guy that, that played three, what, no, two games in this series. I think he only played two games in this series. Yeah, he was, a, he was a healthy DNP in games one, two, and three. Yeah, right. Does he go back to a DNP? No, but to, who do you think starts? Do you think, it, do you think it's Vincent again? Once I, like, I mean, I kind of have to look at what they did the entire regular season and right. not just what happened last game. But yeah, I think, I think it's the same starting lineup as last game, but with Butler starting in place of Oladipo, and then it would be Vincent, Struess, Butler, Tucker, Adebayo. Let's see, what was the starting lineup for them well, the game before that one? Yeah, so this was the starting lineup two games ago. Vincent, Struess, Butler, Tucker, Adebayo. And then all, we got 23 minutes of Oladipo off the bench. Mm-hmm. But and, also, so one, one other thing with that game is that Tyler Hero got hurt during it, only played 21 minutes. I, like, I don't think that's the most likely scenario. So, yeah, probably probably somewhere, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable giving Oladipo more than 25 minutes, but I think low 20s is probably the most reasonable projection. And I would, last thing, I would pay attention to Max Struess here. Just, like, we know Tucker's going to play. We know most of these, like, Butler and Hero. Max Struess. It, there's no real, I haven't, unless you I haven't seen anything that's like, yeah, I'm going to play. So if he ends up sitting, maybe more minutes go to Oladipo there as well. But as it stands right now, I, I don't see that being the case. All right. Dallas and Phoenix. Let's get to it before we do though. Our partners underdog fantasy, man, they have got some ridiculous stuff going on over at underdog. They had talked about an announcement that they were going to have. And now they have a $10 million prize pool. I think it is. I think it's $10 million for the upcoming NFL season. I mean, if you're not stoked about that, I do not know what to tell you. And tonight, too, you get the Monday Night Hoops, 25K, 5K up top. It's an awesome contest. We've got a lot of, of screenshots. Bless you, Jordan. Double sneeze over there. A uh, lot of screenshots coming in from people playing underdog. If you're going to sign up and check it out, if you want to get on some of this best ball stuff, you got the Monday uh, Monday draft, too, coming up. We're doing Monday mock drafts with Matt Savoka and Nick Lepre today over on the Fantasy Channel. That's at 4.30. All of this, it's going to be a great season. Even closing out the NBA, you got some great contests there. Use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Double your first deposit up to $100. Again, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Underdogfantasy.com. Download it in the App Store. Uh, wherever it's, it's a great site. You will thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, I use it frequently. All right. Let's talk Look, about did, the Dallas Mavericks. Did, did I'm going to uh, 
Go oh, ahead. I was just going to ask, did you do any of the underdog playoff drafts? Dude, I, I kept forgetting. So I do one and then I, I do one of them. And then I, uh, I was like, all right, let me keep drafting. And it was filled up the moment after I did the first draft. So I only have one team. Did you do a bunch of them? I did do a bunch of them. Uh, I got some team. What really kicked my ass is I'm a lot of people. I'm very high on the Celtics. So I built most of my teams around the Celtics. And I, I thought like, I, I felt pretty confident they were going to beat the Nets in the first round uh, after we found out that Simmons wasn't going to pl be playing yeah. and, and whatnot. But I didn't expect them to sweep. So I, I just didn't get enough points out of my Celtics guys because they won too easily. That sucks. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's the thing about a seven game series or I don't think there were any sevens, right? The the most we most that went was six. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. Uh. I don't know if I got through. If, if you look at right now, they haven't updated the scores yet. But like, I have, I have a few, I have, a, I have a few teams left, and it just, it just shows up as being the dance quarter file corner uh, quarter final. And it just shows you with zero points, just yeah. zero because it's reset. Oh, I did get in. Sweet. Cool. All right. Nice. Except I have a Sixers stack only. And I didn't do that because I wanted to. I did it because everyone just wasn't drafting guys like Harden and Maxi and Tobias Harris. They just kept falling further. And I got got Luca too late in that draft. But the Embiid thing is not going to be good to me. Speaking of Luca, though. The the Dallas Mavericks last game. Look at this rotation. If, if you look at what Jason Kidd did, outside of Bertans and Josh Green, each playing two minutes in the first quarter and never returning, you're basically looking at a seven-man rotation. I'm not saying that's the same case in, in week one, or I'm sorry, in game one against the Phoenix Suns, but maybe the most condensed rotations and huge minutes we've seen going to starters of any team this postseason has been Jason Kidd's Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, and at first glance, I would say like, hey, I don't really have that much interest in anybody other than Luca. But then you start to look at some of the minutes, like you were saying. It's like, all right, well, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock both regularly play over forty minutes. They play the whole Playing game. Time, it's yeah, it's absurd. Last game, Bullock played forty-four minutes. Dorian Finney-Smith played forty-six. They're playing Finney, the whole game. It's crazy. Which is which is which is ridiculous. And then you know they have pretty modest price points. It's kind of hard to get away from them on a two-game slate for that reason. So it's not that they're my favorite plays or anything like that, but 5800 for Dorian Finney-Smith. In the regular season, yeah, that, that's a salary we would never play Dorian Finney-Smith at. It's not that bad if we're going to expect 44 to 46 minutes, which, by the way, if they're going to compete with the Phoenix Suns, that's what they need to do. The Suns are miles better than the Dallas Mavericks. So Dallas needs two things to happen. Number one, they need to just play all of their best guys and just screw the guys at the end of the bench who are not particularly good. And then they need Luka to just totally go apeshit in this series. So we're going to be seeing Reggie Bullock play 44 minutes and shooting as many threes as possible. Dinwiddie's going to play a role off the bench. Brunson's going to play big minutes. So because of where Brunson's priced, I don't really have that much interest in him. But yeah, guys like Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith and then Dinwiddie off the bench just because he has reasonable price tag. These are guys that I'm still going to want to get to just because, like you said, the rotation is so condensed. You know, it's amazing, man. Dorian Finney-Smith is producing 0.7 fantasy points per minute in the playoffs, and he's still averaging 30 points per game. <laughs> he's yeah. still averaging 30 fantasy points per game on 0.7 fantasy points per minute, which goes exactly to what you were just saying. You just have to take the playing time. He played literally all but one minute in game three all but two minutes in game two all but four minutes in game one he's he hasn't played less than 40 minutes in the entire series you don't have to like the guy but you have to like the minutes yeah exactly and it's the same thing i was saying before about the philadelphia 76ers where you go what do you do when you're playing against the team that's just much better than you you have to shoot a lot of threes and you that's have to make do. a lot of them and the, the way you're going to do it is guys like Dorian Finney-Smith is capable of shoot, of spacing the floor as a big man. And Reggie Bullock also, he's a very good three-pointer. It's the only NBA skill he really has, but he's a good shooter. And that's going to be really valuable for them in this series. So he's going to be on the court to, to space the floor alongside Luka a whole bunch. How many big runs did we see in that Utah game from Dallas when they just would knock down four, four threes on four consecutive possessions, right? Like it. It takes the air out of you when you're hitting them, obviously, and a lot of times they aren't. But 
if you look at the postseason thus far, no team is again exactly what you're saying. No team is attempting more threes than the Dallas Mavericks. 42 threes per game so far. They absolutely have to do that. And then you can let Jalen Brunson operate in the mid range a little bit because he's very good there. But aside from that, it's all three point shooting, even off the bench. Like if it's Maxi or if it's Bertans off the bench, you don't want those guys posting up, you know. Yeah, right. so yeah, Go so ahead. no, I agree. You don't want any of that. The only guy off the bench that I really think is worth playing here is Dinwiddie because he is now fifty six hundred dollars over on DK on FanDuel. He's fifty two hundred. He's not going to play quite the same minutes as those starters, but still, somewhere around thirty minutes from Dinwiddie, he's not a bad points per minute fantasy producer. He's also going to have a slightly easier matchup coming off the bench as opposed to playing against the starters. So I do view him as a pretty serviceable value option, both FanDuel and DK. Okay, you want to talk to Suns here then? Let's do it. Hit that thumbs up, too. We got 415 people watching on a wonderful Monday morning talking a little bit of basketball. I'll have the uh, Osmo or sorry, sorry, the Odd Shopper top NBA bets coming up uh, in this afternoon around one or two o'clock Eastern time over on the Odd Shopper channel. Check that out. Greg's doing the MLB betting video as well. You got that, too. Did you already finish that? No, the uh, the lines were not posted this morning. So, yeah, I'm actually I'm going to be recording that right after this. Yeah, so check all that stuff out. Got PGA content over there. A lot of great stuff. We'd love to have you guys come and uh, join the channel. Subscribe. It's Odds Shopper. All one word. You'll find it quite easily. The Phoenix Suns, then, are, you said, a markedly better team than the Dallas Mavericks. Personally, I've had an insane amount of fun watching the Mavs in that series. I didn't think I would, but it's been awesome. But yes, they are they are overmatched, especially if Booker is now back to full strength. He was definitely not entirely himself in that game six closeout win, uh, series closeout against the Pels. But let's let's start it with Chris Paul here. Nine K plus on DraftKings, at least. He is currently getting more ownership than Jimmy Butler. And if there's one thing we know about Dallas, they might not have a stellar offense. This is still a very good defense that's going to have their best defensive players on the court for arguably the entire game. Yeah, and I also think there's kind of a bias. Like any player who comes from Europe to the NBA, I think just gets blanket called, oh, he's a terrible defender. Luke is not a lockdown defender by any means, but the Dallas Mavericks have a very, very good defense. And Luka's fine defensively. He's he's adequate. And you just look at Dallas overall. It's not just that, I, if I remember off the top of my head, I think they were sixth in the league in defensive efficiency. They also played the slowest pace in the league. So this is a pace down spot for the Phoenix Suns. I think they're the worst of the four teams to target today. And it's for two reasons. Number one, the matchup, but then number two also. Devin Booker is back in the fold now, and that is going to hurt Chris Paul. I know it didn't last game, but the reason it didn't hurt Chris Paul last game is because he made every single shot he took from the field. Literally a perfect game. He had one of the best games a point guard has ever had in NBA history. He shot 14 of 14 from the field. But get this. He scored 52 fantasy points going 14 of 14 from the field. Yeah. Let's say let's say he goes let's say he goes 9 of 14. That's a really damn good game. 9 of 14 from the field. But he's scoring 40 fantasy points then instead of 52 if we're taking away, you know, like a three from him and then and then a few field goal attempts. So he would not have had and he still didn't have all that great of a fantasy game going 14 of 14. I think he's a very weak play for this slate, considering what we saw last game with 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 Booker back in the mix. I'm with you. Now, Chris Harden, Chris Harden, Chris Paul. <laughs> I was looking up something for the Sixers, and my brain short circuited there. But Chris Paul is always one of those guys that can just drop fifty plus on any given day. But everything you're saying makes sense. And Booker's back. Fourteen field goal attempts. And four free throws, they fine usage. It's in 36 minutes, his usage rate was. I'm I, I don't know it. I'm gonna say he had like a 24% usage rate in this game, 25%, something around there. Yeah, 25.8. Uh, okay, so yeah, we almost we said 25.8. Yeah. So yeah, which is fine, but at 9100, and you're taking away some some of those potential assists, which I still anticipate Chris Paul uh distributing quite a bit with Devin Booker on the floor, it's it's still going to be tough. Devin Booker is your clear go-to guy as a scorer. What do you have Paul projected? What do we have Paul projected for? Uh, let's see. And by the way, something else I'm going to mention about Chris Paul, at the end of the regular season, he was priced in the 7K range, and it's not like he was a high-priority play then. Right. So it, 
you know, like we didn't want to play Chris Paul when he was 7,600, but we want to play him now when he's $9,100 on DraftKings or 10,100 on FanDuel. I just think there's better guys to pay up for on the slate. And one of them is potentially Devin Booker. I have no clue how healthy Booker is at this point, but if we're trying to find contrarian options relative to two game slate, Booker is 20% owned at 8,800 on FanDuel. So he's much cheaper than Paul and less popular then over on DK, we're getting Devin Booker at 8,500 at 12% ownership. There's a wide range of outcomes here. I don't know if Booker is, is healthy or not. I tend to think he probably isn't 100%, but I don't know that for sure. And we're trying to find we're trying to find leverage on two game slates. We're trying to find upside. It's the same thing the other day when I was pushing really hard for Jaron Jackson Jr. on a single game slate. Did I know that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to stay out of foul trouble? Absolutely not. But I knew that everybody that was making lineups was assuming he was going to get into foul trouble. And just based on Devin Booker being 8,500 with 12% ownership, it looks like the pricing algorithm is expecting he is 100%. The field is expecting he isn't 100%, and he might be. So that's why I think that Devin Booker is one of the better contrarian payoff options on the slate. I like pivoting off of Chris Paul and getting to Booker instead. Absolutely. Who do you like better, Butler or Paul, at their current ownership? They're $100 separate on DraftKings. Butler, for sure. I do, too. And, you know, people – and you look at, like, Paul and Harden, if you're going, yeah, well, Harden's got a really tough matchup too. Yeah, but uh, – or Harden's got a tough matchup. Chris Paul has a really tough matchup as well. He's a harder matchup. Harder matchup, yeah. The, the reason Dallas is not a, a stellar team is not their defense. Like, that's why they're good, is their defense. The reason they can hang is their defense, and then they can just get hot and go on these runs with, with knocking down a bunch of threes. But yeah, look, the Jaron Jackson point that you made for the for the single game slate, uh, all of that plays into something similar here when you talk about Devin Booker. Now the rest of the the rest of Phoenix, though, now that Booker is back, excuse me, is I just hate playing these guys, and and I'm not saying that you you you're going to be able to get away from them, but and we'll talk about Aiton in a second. Like Jay Crowder, though, Mikel Bridges is 6100. He's pulling 30 percent right now some of these that seems like a lot $6,100 for bridges at 30% seems shockingly high, but maybe I'm just missing something. No, I think, I think the assumption from everybody is that, is that I don't, it's hard to equate uh, to put an actual percentage, well, a percentage on Devin Booker's health, but I think everybody's just kind of assuming like, Hey, Devin Booker wasn't all that good last game. Let's write him off and just project everybody else on the sun's better. Maybe. If that's the case, though, I, I I can say with relative confidence that I, I would ha- be happy not to have thirty percent of of Mikel Bridges or, or even like even Jay Crowder. What do we have Crowder at? Thirty thirty three percent. I get that he's inexpensive, Greg. All of that's understandable, but he he hasn't had a thirty fantasy point game in the series, and he played a handful of those without Devin Booker. You just he didn't benefit much without him. I don't really see how he benefits much with him, even though, and his price has come up a little bit since Booker went down and returned. I, I don't know. Tell me where I'm wrong here. So I, I agree with you on Crowder. Here's where I slightly disagree on Mikael Bridges. Maybe the ownership is, is a little bit high, but his minutes played in that series against New Orleans, Dude. the last three games, yeah. 44 minutes, 47 minutes, 41 minutes. So it, it to me, it kind of goes hand in hand with the Dorian Finney-Smith type play where you're getting somebody who maybe isn't the best fantasy producer in the world, but he's going to play so many minutes. And I assume that he's also going to be the primary defender on Luka for a lot of the game that I think they're just going to leave him out there a ton. So I think he might play enough to, to still be worthwhile. Uh, Crowder, though, I agree with Crowder, I think is, is way over-owned. I'm just curious to see what, what Bridges' fantasy point per minute is. He's 0.76 fantasy points per minute, $1,000 more expensive than Finney Smith. And he had that one really solid game in game five. So, yeah, you're right. The minutes are definitely there. But I just, with Booker back, I honestly don't think a thousand, I don't, I don't think a thousand dollar increase on Bridges over Finney Smith when their per minute production, if you put back Booker back on the floor, is probably identical. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it warrants a thousand dollar increase, but. We'll see. What do you want to do with Aiton? Yeah, so as for Aiton, I think he's a very neutral play. Uh, I think uh, looking at him first on DraftKings, where he is 7,700 and projected for 
what is it, 34% ownership. I think that is totally fair. And then over on FanDuel, he is 8,100 project for 38% ownership. With only center eligibility, I think that's a little bit high for Aiton. Uh, but on DK, I think that's totally fair price and ownership. 7,700, 34% two-game slate. I, I, I think that's somebody I would almost be lockstep in the field with. Anybody else for Phoenix stand out? Uh, let's see. Going through, not really. You know, if, if you absolutely need to play somebody under 4K on, on DK, I think that Cameron Payne would be serviceable in that spot, but once again, would not be a priority play. Cameron Johnson, he takes a big a big step back now that Booker's back in the picture. I don't have any real interest in like JaVale McGee or, or Bismack Biombo or whoever ends up playing the backup center minutes today. So not really. I think the, the number one thing I'm looking at from the Suns is taking some shots on Devin Booker and just hoping he's healthier. Hey, leave some comments down below if you're watching this after the fact. We always try and read and respond to all of them, even the, the, less, the less forgiving ones. Sometimes, I mean, actually, Josh isn't on the show, so it shouldn't be too bad. Man, when I do, when I do shows with Josh, you should see the comments. I actually, I, I revel in it, Greg. Like I'll, I'll I'll go there, go there a couple hours after, and just read some of the the vitriol being spewed from from the community. And man, love him or hate him, you know, you love him or you hate him. He's very he's very polarizing with everything, whether it comes to what he thinks about DFS, what he does when he takes shits. So like we've got we've got CW89 right now in the chat, and he's saying I've got to poop. Chat. Should I wipe or be contrarian and do a no-look wipe? Just be Josh Engelman. You don't wipe. You don't wash your hands. You just go on and live your day. <laughs> wait, what's a, what is wipe or be, what's a no-look wipe? Oh, wait, no-look, no-wipe. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, he's saying don't look. Like, just assume nothing's wrong and not wipe. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's a very confident strategy. Uh, but once again, that's, that's what Josh does. But I think the strategy there's some calculation there because you have a pretty good idea of what the damage is going to be. You know what I mean? Like you, you can calculate relative to, uh, to, to a decent level. Like, is this going to be bad or can I get up and walk away? Not to say anybody should ever do that, but I think you should, I think you usually know. I like, by the way, this is very funny. Cameron Gay said that uh, Josh does it just to be contrarian, which is really funny. He's just like, 100%. oh, here's, yeah, here's, here's this edge I have to wiping my ass. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, you know what nobody does? You just spit in your hand and you wipe it. That's when <laughs> nobody does that. That's a nice GPT strategy. Right, exactly. He, he, I, whenever I ask him questions now, it's just like, well, I know what your answer is going to be because you already know what my answer is first, right? It's just the way it goes. Anyway, yeah. appreciate you guys. Hit that thumbs up on your way out. Follow Greg at G Ehrenberg, DFS, me at Lafayette underscore D. Shout out to our boy Jordan Klein for producing as always. And stick around. MLB strategy show coming up next. We got a lot today for what's usually a slow Monday. Mock draft Mondays with Matt Savoca and Nick Lepre. What channel is that on, Jordan? The best ball channel or the fantasy channel? <clears throat> best ball, best ball, best ball. MLB live before log at 4.30. 5.30 NBA Deeper Dive, 6.30 and, uh, NBA Live Before Lock. We got you covered all day long. So hang out with us and we'll see you back here tomorrow on the Strategy Show. Peace. Peace.